0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1.
1: If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not.
0: That understanding works for
1: you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you.
2: All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease.
0: It's time for Wretched Radio. With Todd Friel. Too old
2: school to be cool. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, There was a day when men who believed that God existed, he made himself known through a book called the Bible and his son, Jesus Christ. And they knew that if people did not repent and put their trust in him, They would perish that propelled them to go to the highways and the byways to do something that unfortunately we don't think is cool anymore. Open air preaching. You may recall give or take about a week ago here on Wretched Radio mentioned that I know of an open air preacher who is as relevant today as when we recorded this 15 years ago. This could have played 1500 years ago. This could have played in the Old Testament which is when we start to see open air preaching. There is a long legacy of open air preaching. We have a history of men who risk life and limb willing to be thrown into a well, thrown into jail, be beheaded. They were willing in the Bible to do open-air preaching. Isaiah, Jeremiah, they did open-air preaching. John the Baptist did open-air preaching. Jesus did open-air preaching. Paul did open-air preaching. And yet today, mm, let's just leave that to guys like Whitfield. Let's just leave that to old school because now we've got social media and people just won't dig it. I would like to make the case they can and they do and they will. Josh Williamson is pastoring currently in England. Jolly old Cornwall England it's lovely there but he is also an open air preacher from Australia 15 years ago he happened to be in Atlanta which is where we are and we went into downtown Atlanta to do some open air preaching here's the visual there's skyscrapers all around there's a big waterfall in the background. It's a park, and there are chess tables provided by the city so that people can sit and play chess all day. There are people passing by on their way to Georgia State University. There's a couple of police officers that gathered about 30 seconds after Josh started open-air preaching, and people who were trying to play chess or just sitting there having a sandwich. Josh Williamson stood up with his thundering voice, and in for my money... This is just one of the best open air sermons. I I, I think you can do it. I, I I love hearing several guys. I love Ray Comforts. I love Emile Waynes. I love to hear Mark Spence. But you're going to hear an Aussie accent. As a man in a time when doing such a thing is not considered cool, preaches a captivating beauty. And I would like to have you listen for a couple of things. One, he doesn't, he doesn't stack his hand. He doesn't play coy. He's not playing bait and switch. He tells them right away, this is who I am. This is what I'm here to do, period. Then you're going to hear a story that drew people in. Ultimately, you're going to hear what happened when he was done doing open-air preaching, for, give or take 12, 15 minutes. Listen for those things.
1: Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. G'day, my name is Josh, and I just want to grab your attention really quickly, please. As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not actually from around here. I'm from way, way, way down south in Australia. And my role in Australia is that of a Christian minister. And I've come to Atlanta with an important message, a message that is relevant for the people of my country and the people here today in this city. But folks, before I came here to Atlanta, I did a bit of research on the United States. You see, where I'm from, we have a problem with stalkers. In Australia, it's said that one out of every five Australians in their lifetime will have a stalker. That's a lot of people who have some crazy person following them. So I thought, what is it like here in the US? What is it like here in Atlanta? Well, I've done some research on stalkers in this country and this statistic might actually amaze you. Statistics say this, that one out of every 12 women in the US have a stalker and one out of every 45 men in this country at some point in their life will have someone following them around. Last year, there was over 1 million people arrested or investigated on charges of stalking. And while these statistics are scary, while these statistics should make us stop and think, I disagree with them. I do not think that one out of every 12 women have a stalker. I do not think that one out of every 45 men have a stalker. I say 10 out of 10 people have a stalker. I would say every single person in this world, in this city, has a stalker. Now that might sound a bit crazy, but let me build my case. You see, when we are born, our stalker appears. The moment we step out of our mother's womb, the stalker is there watching us. When we went to school, a stalker followed us to school. And even now, as you sit here in this park, on this lovely day, each and every one of you have a stalker that is not far behind you. But the stalker that you and I have is a master of disguise. The stalker that we all have is so good at his job, many people do not believe he exists. If you look behind him quickly, if you look behind you right now, you will not see your stalker. Your stalker is the master of camouflage. But ladies and gentlemen, do not fear. I know the name of your stalker. I know the name of my stalker. I know the name of the stalker, be it the policeman stalker, the person who goes for the Lakers stalker. Whoever you are, I know your stalker's name. Listen carefully. Here is the name of your stalker.
2: Are we captivated yet? Yeah, baby, this is good open-air preaching.
1: Death. We are all being stalked by death. 10 out of 10 people will die. And when we think about death, when we think about dying, we need to ask ourselves some questions. We need to ask, why do I die? And what happens when I die? Folks, I want to read you a quick verse of scripture, a Bible verse. This is God speaking. So please pay attention to what the God of the universe has to say. God says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The Bible says our life is like a mist. It's here for a little time and then it's gone forever. Picture it like this. Imagine your life is like a cigarette. You smoke a cigarette. You have a few puffs of the cigarette. And then the cigarette is gone forever. And that is what your life is like. And the Bible says we do not know what tomorrow will bring. We do not know when we will die. But death is imminent. Statistics show that every 60 seconds, 108 people will die. And every day on average, 155,000 people will pass from life to death. So the question for you right now is this, where are you going when you die? Where will you spend eternity? The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this comes the judgment. So ladies and gentlemen, where will you go if today is the day that God says your number is up? The Bible says there's only one or two options you'll end up. Either heaven with God or you'll end up in hell. Where will you go? You see, many people think that they will go to heaven. Many people would say, I'll go to heaven if I died right now. But Jesus said to get to heaven, you must be perfect. And that leaves us with a problem as we certainly aren't perfect. I'm not perfect, and I'm a Christian preacher.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
2: And He's a good one. You maybe have seen this video. We've got it up on the YouTube machine. It's rather grainy, but some people left because Josh has a booming voice. They were trying to play chess. They just got up and moved on. Other people gathered. Other people paid attention some people didn't look like they were interested but they they were if i had to guess at this moment there are perhaps 30 people gathered around in one way shape or form whether they want to be there or not <laughs> 30 people and this preacher informed them he's going to preach to them i like that no bait and switch further he brought he brought some meat he brought he brought some chum He brought a worm to sit on the hook, which is ultimately the gospel. And that is precisely what he's about to get into after, of course, he opens up the law. I hope this is perhaps enlightening you to the idea that open air preaching doesn't need to be geeky, weird, flame throwing, awful, embarrassing preaching and it can be exceedingly effective. Let me ask you this question in advance. How many people, when he was done, do you think approach him to ask, what must I do to be saved? This is Wretched Radio. Permit me to introduce you to Bree and Salvation Dominoes pre-born style when one person gets saved they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them and then it's just this domino effect brie currently volunteers at a pre-born life center how did she get saved from a friend whose mother got saved at you guessed it a preborn life center why? Because pre-born, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched.
4: Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. Well, what do the gospel, environmentalism, sexuality, agnosticism, and social Darwinism all have in common? They're among the 13 topics covered in Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth. With experts like Pastor Milton Vincent, Scott Klusendorf, Jess Arms, Dr. Jason Lyle, and Tom Hammond, among others, Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth will equip you and your kids to defend the Christian faith at school and Work, at the gas station, grocery store, and everywhere in between. Road Trip is also a perfect study to do with others in Sunday school, youth groups, small groups, wherever. Just remember to grab the study guide too when picking up your copy of Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth. And it's all because of the efforts of our gospel partners that resources like Road Trip to Truth are able to be produced. Would you also prayerfully consider becoming a monthly ongoing gospel partner? Just visit wretchedorg donate to find out all the information you may ever need at becoming a gospel partner, Wretched. Amazing grace, amazing gospel. Hey, Tomorrow
2: Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you.
4: You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Sandy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. We're grateful for all the ways you help
3: kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus.
2: Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Club's $30 a month Disciples 30 Kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up 100 new clubs In a year, would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
0: Important Dates in Christian History 270 A.D. A wealthy young man named Antony gives away his possessions and begins life as a hermit. Disciples follow his example, and the first monastic movement began. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: The question is not if, the question is who. This is Wretched Radio. Should we continue with the great tradition started by Old Testament prophets... Culminating with the Lord Jesus Christ, followed up by the Apostle Paul, and I suspect all the disciples who were sent to the highways and byways to compel them to come into the kingdom. We saw a resurgence of open air preaching right after the Reformation, where men of God said, These people aren't going to come into the church. We got to bring the church to them. John Knox, From Scotland, he set up a pulpit outside of the church in the street. It's the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, and he would go there and preach in the open air. Why? Because it's effective. And you're about to hear contemporary, effective preaching. Josh Williamson, pastoring in Cornwall, England, originally from Australia, hence the accent, he captivated a crowd 15 years ago when he came to Atlanta and we did some outdoor evangelism together. I asked him to do what I think he does just as good as about anybody ever has or can, do some open-air preaching. And he was captivating. Jimmy, what did you say to me after hearing Josh's opening salvo about you have a stalker?
4: What did I I said, I'm going to plagiarize that.
2: (laughs) And you don't have to give them credit. Just take it. People will be so impressed. (laughs) Well, it's acceptable today. Because I think that's kind of the goal. (laughs) That's that's just great preaching. All right. You might want to take this one if you're ever in this situation. Josh was in Athens, Georgia, Stanford Stadium. I think it seats about 90,000 people. And it is Bulldog Day. And as is always the case in Athens, Georgia, the fans are pouring in, dressed up in their regalia, lots of dog business, lots of red everywhere. And as people were flooding into the stadium, this man with the big voice stands up and says, Men of Athens, I can see you're a religious people. Oh, and he used football as their God. It was brilliant. And you're about to hear the conclusion of his open-air preaching. He's already encouraged people to consider death because we are all going to die. Then he explains the why, and then he explains the solution. It's not a question of if we should be doing open-air preaching. My only question for you would be, Who in your church could do open-air preaching like this?
1: See, the ninth of the Ten Commandments says, do not lie. So my question is for you, have you ever told a lie? Maybe you've told white lies. Maybe you've told black lies. Hey, if you're a boy, you might have told blue lies. And if you're a girl, maybe you tell pink lies. We don't do that anymore, Josh. Does not matter. The Bible says, don't lie. But all of us have lied at some point in our life. The Eighth Commandment says, do not steal. Have you ever stolen something? Irregardless of value. Maybe you steal little things. Maybe you download an illegal MP3s. Maybe you burn CDs and DVDs. That is theft. And the Bible says, do not steal. But folks, God's not just going to judge you based on the things you do outwardly. The Bible says that God demands truth inwardly. You see, as humans, we will judge on the outward appearance. I'll look at a gentleman and I'll make a judgment based on how he looks. That's not good, but we all do it. We as human beings judge like that. But God judges differently. God looks at our heart and the Bible says our heart is desperately wicked. Our heart is evil, the Bible says. And God will judge our thought life as the same as a physical act. And he says in regards to the commandment, do not commit adultery. If you even look upon someone who is not your husband or wife with sexual desire, then in the eyes of God, the Bible says you are guilty of adultery already. The commandment says do not murder. But God says if you hate, you are guilty of murder already in your heart. Folks, we've all sinned. We've all done wrong in the sight of God. There's no perfect person on the world. In fact, there's not even a good person. The Bible says there's no one good, no, not one. See, folks, we sin against God so many times. God is good, God is kind, and God has provided us so many good gifts. He gives us water to nourish us when we are thirsty, God gives us food to give us sustenance for our body. But how do we repay God? We repay God by rebelling against Him. We repay God by sinning against Him. But God is still loving despite of your sin. Your sin demands judgment. Yes, it does. The Bible says the soul who sins, it shall die. And the wages of sin is death. We will die physically because we've sinned against God and we'll die eternally in hell because of that sin. Folks, I plead if you think about that. Your sin has caused an offence to your Creator. And God, because He is just, must punish wrongdoing. But God is love. God is kind. And God has provided a way in which we can have forgiveness of sin. See, we don't deserve God's mercy. We don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve God to love us. Yet He does. And God loves us and He provided a way in which we can know the forgiveness of sin. A way in which we can go to heaven when we die. And that way is through God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, 2,000 years ago, God Himself stepped out of heaven. He came down to this earth in the form of the man, Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life, never sinned once. He kept the law of God perfectly and thought, word and deed. At the age of 33, Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice for the sins of his people. You see, we deserve God's judgment. We deserve to die. But Jesus Christ died for you if you would believe. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin if you would come unto him. But the story doesn't finish there. The Bible says that three days after Jesus Christ died, He arose again from the dead, defeating sin and death. And now Jesus Christ reigns in glory. The Jesus Christ who created the world, the Jesus Christ who died on the cross for sinners, the Jesus Christ who arose again from the dead, is the Jesus Christ who would say to you today, repent, turn from your sin and trust in Christ alone. See folks, Jesus paid the fine for his people upon the cross and now he calls on you to turn from your sin and trust that he died for you and that he arose again from the dead. That is God's great love for the world. We don't deserve God's mercy. In fact, we deserve to go to hell for our lying, our stealing, our lust, our hatred, our failure to give God the glory he deserves. We deserve judgment, but God in love, came to this world and said, I love you and I'm prepared to forgive all your sin if you would repent, turn from your sin and trust in Christ. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and said Christ to be an atoning sacrifice for our sin. See folks, we hate God because of our sin, but God still loves. And God offers you forgiveness of sin today. That is the message of hope for you today. Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world, and at the due time, he died for the ungodly. So, folks, if you are turned from your sins and trust in Christ alone, you would not perish but have eternal life.
2: <sighs> Doesn't get more clear than that, does it? Doesn't get more forceful than that, can it? The question is not should we be doing open air preaching the only question is why why aren't we who's going to do it who's who's going to who's going to stand up in the marketplace and proclaim that Jesus Christ died for sinners i know it has unique challenges these days but i suspect they're only slightly more sophisticated than the challenges that always existed people are going about their business you might be annoying them yep on the other hand you might be saving them would you like to know how many people approached Josh after 12, 15 minutes of open air preaching to say, help me, please? I I, I I need to deal with this. Ten. And do you know how many people said that actually prayed? He didn't lead them in a sinner's prayer. He, he said, you pray. I'll pray for you when you're done. Two. Wow. Two. Two souls may have been saved that day, and they wouldn't have been unless Josh had the courage to go out and do what what we have a great tradition of doing open air preaching. The question is not if the only question is who this is wretched radio.
4: This is wretched radio. And I'm Jimmy Hicks. It seems as though every time we turn around, we see politicians making moves that end the lives of innocent babies, Yesterday, 46 current U.S. senators, all Democrats, wrote a letter urging a permitted ban on the Mexico City policy, which saves lives when it can. The policy was first enacted by President Ronald Reagan, and it prevents U.S. tax dollars from being used to fund international baby murder. And the policy has been enacted and rescinded by each U.S. president, depending on their party affiliation. It was last enacted by President Donald Trump and recently rescinded by President Biden. Now, Senate Democrats are urging party leaders to permanently ban the policy from ever being enacted again. I just wonder how much you have to actually hate people to spend your entire political career doing everything you possibly can to prevent them from being born. This next story is a very clear indication of our world and how the logic is currently being played out. Last week, a judge in California ordered James Tubbs to serve two years in a juvenile facility for sexually assaulting a 10-year-old girl. However, couple of problems. Problem number one, Tubbs is 26 years old. He's not a juvenile, though he committed the assault as a juvenile eight years ago. Today, he's a grown man. Problem number two, it seems as though in the last eight years, James has decided that Halloween should be every day, meaning he says he's now a girl. So the judge thinks this 26-year-old grown man should be sent not only to a juvenile facility, but an all-female juvenile facility at that. Now, here's where this logic doesn't hold up. They say James should be sent to a juvenile detention facility because he was a juvenile when he committed the crime. Then they say James should be sent to an all-female juvenile detention facility because he identifies as a female today. Those two actions contradict each other. If you want him treated as a juvenile, as he was when he committed the crime, then he should be treated as he was when he committed the crime. A man. But if you want him treated as he is today, thinking that he is a female, that he's also 26 years old. You can't pick and choose parts of the law that you actually want to adhere to, but actually that appears to be exactly the case in California. Well, here's another new and neat Apple iPhone update that you will experience soon. Now your face ID is able to recognize you with a mask on. Ah, oh, look at Apple, still on the cutting edge of protecting our privacy, I see. Reports seem to indicate that one of Kenya's most wanted terrorists, Rashid Mohamed Salim, was captured recently by a group of youths after Salim slaughtered a number of Christians. Salim's been evading authorities since November last year, and now he's been taken into custody. As we tell you daily here at Wretched, please make sure that you are intentionally and purposefully praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Books of the Bible The book of Numbers tells the story of Israel's wandering in the desert for 40 years. The journey from Egypt to Canaan should have only taken 11 days, but Israel's grumbling and disobedience angered God, and none of the Israelites were allowed to enter the Promised Land. But God remained faithful and led their children into their inheritance. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Can open air preaching really be
2: effective? Yes, this is Wretched Radio. Josh Williamson, an open air preacher pastoring in Cornwall, England, in Atlanta 15 years ago, stood up in a park, let loose of his booming voice to compel people to listen, told them exactly what they're about to hear. And then he opened up the law, he opened up the gospel, and he pleaded with them to come in. Would you like to hear about the two men who approached him when he was done preaching? This was from an episode of Wretched TV Hufta. I, I, I don't know what number it was, but it was it was in the hundreds. We're in the thousands now. This is a long time ago, and yet what you're about to hear is the fruit that can be born from doing good open air preaching let's learn from josh williamson okay josh you were up there for about 15 minutes preaching the gospel what's going through your brain because you've got people sitting here some are playing chess some are amening in the back some are listening what do you what are you watching? what are you thinking
3: well i guess my main thought pattern is i want god to get the glory that's my whole purpose of preaching i just want god to be praised and in Australia, before we preach, all Operation 513 preachers will say to each other, SDG, which is Soli Deo Gloria, to remind the preacher what our purpose of preaching is. So if they're listening, if they're amening, if they're clapping or whatever, I want them to be knowing that this is only for God's glory. All right. Now, when you look at something like this, these days in evangelicalism,
2: numbers, success, card sign, hands raised, how do you determine if this was a success or not?
3: Well, I look at every single person that heard the gospel today made a decision in regards to Christ. So I've got 100% decision rate.
2: Some
3: decided, wow, <laughs> oh, so, pretty good. Some decided against Christ. So I still <laughs> made a decision. Uh, I don't think numbers are important. The issue is that the gospel get preached. Did God get glorified? And that's the whole purpose of being, so that God may forever receive the praise.
2: And were you faithful or not? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, in Australia, you do this very thing with Operation513.com,
3: yes? That is correct. Any difference? Uh, well, they don't have American accents when we preach them. Got it. Uh, Anything else significant? Well, Australia is actually probably a bit more hostile towards the gospel. Uh-huh. Uh, that We probably would have had a lot more hecklers. We probably would have had people screaming at us, uh, maybe getting physical in some way, shape or form.
2: Okay, See? now when we first got here, you actually were looking for a ledge to get on. That had a, a like a bike rack in front of it. Why?
3: Why? Because in Australia, you've got to learn your defensive positions while preaching. <laughs> you thought that would protect you in case somebody charged it, at you. It's a psychological barrier. And
2: <laughs> All right. Now, let's get to the interesting part of this deal. You finished up, and a gentleman named Tony started walking toward you...
3: And he wasn't hostile. What did he want? So I asked him what he thought of the preaching. And he said, it's a preaching that burnt his heart and said, this is true. This is true. And he knew in his heart that it was truth. Uh So I challenged him. I reiterated the gospel to him, asked if he believed it, and then challenged him that now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of faith. Mm -hmm. And then and there he um, said, we'll get right with God.
2: Okay, so he was not a Christian.
3: He was not a Christian.
2: Okay, now, let's say this fellow had not approached you. Would it would today have been less of a success?
3: Absolutely not. It still would have been a great success, as the gospel was preached. And when I was at started Bible college, my lecture told me that when we preach, God is our first audience and God is our last audience, and it doesn't matter what happens in between, as long as God has the good pleasure of hearing His word, because He's
2: doing the saving anyway. Absolutely. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you, uh, we got just a little tiny bit of it. This is what happened after the open air preaching.
3: Just died in the place of sinners. He's talking Throws to Tony. The dead you understand you need to repent, turn from your sin, and trust that Christ died for you? Then what's stopping you from getting right with God right now? Well, stay here might change, brother. See, so the Bible says this, today is the day of salvation. God commands you to repent right now. Right now. God says this is the day that you must trust in Christ. See, so you're not sure that you're going to get home tonight, are you? You don't know that, do you? Mate, you need to get right with God now. What's your name, by the way? Tony. Tony, I'm Josh. Now, Tony, listen to this. The Bible says these words. He that believes in the Son, that is he who trusts in Jesus Christ, has life. But he that does not have the Son does not have life. But God's wrath abides upon him. Mate, right now, God's wrath is upon you because of your sin. But it can be removed if you trust in Christ. You need to do that today. You need to do that now. What's stopping you, mate? Is anything stopping you? Do you want to pray now and ask God to forgive you? How about you pray and just confess your sins to God, and I'll pray for you. How's that sound? Let's pray. You can pray and ask God to forgive you, and then I'll pray for you, brother.
2: Notice he did not lead him in a sinner's prayer. He encouraged him to make today the day of salvation. You call out to God, I'll do the follow-up. That's the effect of open air preaching. Now the big question, what do you do with a guy like Tony? Josh, you were talking to Tony, the whole prayer thing. Do you pray with somebody to get him saved? What happened there?
3: Well, I didn't pray of him. Um, I told him that he should pray to God and he should confess his sins to God, which he did. And then I prayed for him. And in the prayer, when I prayed for him, I would not even assure him of salvation. I would why? Him.
2: Okay, everybody's going, well, well, why not? He prayed not? a prayer.
3: Because I can't assure salvation. It's not my job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to to, uh, to bear witness of our spirit that we're the children of God.
2: Yeah, if I, if, if I could interject, imagine this. Let's let's say, okay, we'll, we'll role play this. I committed adultery against my wife. Josh, yeah. would you come tell me what to say to her? Absolutely not. Okay, weird, isn't it? Because I should just speak from my heart, not you, know, oh, you here? Tell me what to say to my wife. Dear wife. Dear, dear wife. I'm sorry for being an idiot. I'm sorry for being. <laughs> I'm sorry for being an idiot. Okay, that's just so, and that's why let people pray by themselves, and then you can pray for them.
3: Father God, you know Tony's heart. You know if he's truly of yours or not. Father, we pray that you'd show mercy and grace to him. And grant him repentance and faith. Father God, may you be glorified in Tony's life. May you save him for your great name's sake. And may he go on in the faith and bring great glory to you. We pray these things for Jesus' name's sake. Amen.
2: That is what happens after open-air preaching, and it's kind of a drag that these days, open-air preaching, Josh, it has a bit of a bad
3: reputation, doesn't it? Absolutely. People have this perception of open-air preacher standing on the street corner waving a big black Bible saying the end is nigh, the end is nigh. But in reality, you can stand there, present the gospel, and call men and women to repent and trust in Christ.
2: Amen to that. The question is not if we should be doing open-air preaching. The question is who's going to do it. To aid us in trying to identify perhaps somebody in our local churches who could go out to the highways and byways to proclaim the good news of the gospel, I have for your consideration, courtesy of the Google machine, qualifications of an open-air preacher. One, a good voice. Josh has got it, a big booming voice. If you have a PA system, you don't need to have that barrel chest that he has that just echoes everything out of his mouth. But you should have a good voice. It shouldn't sound like Minnie Mouse. Number two, you should have naturalness of manner. You should feel, you should should come across to people like, okay, The guy isn't being weird. The guy isn't prancing around, not falling down. He seems rather authentic. Number three, self-possession. Number four, a good knowledge of Scripture and of common things, because you're going to be asked. Number five, the ability to adapt yourself to any situation. Good illustrative powers. I think we heard that from Josh, didn't we? His illustrations were terrific. He used the stalker, and he used a cigarette. Let me explain that if you're just joining us. Your life is like a vapor. Vapor. Think of it like just smoke, and then the cigarette is gone. That's a good illustration. Do you know who else is great at illustrations? Emile Swain. He tells such great stories that help you go, oh, okay, I see it, I get it, in the tradition of Jesus. Seven, zeal prudence and common sense that's 3 things but it falls underneath number 7 zeal prudence and common sense number 8 the open air preacher must have a large loving heart you heard that from him especially when he was talking to Tony it's it's hard to sound tender when you're thundering that's why that's why if you can do amplification check out the legality of that but if you can do amplification then you can be this breathy with people when you're doing open air you got to be loud but it still needs to come across like you care and you heard his tenderness with Tony afterwards by the way when we were done following up with Tony another guy came up to him and I stepped away and I just let Josh do the exact same thing with him that he did with Tony two people made a profession of faith that day did they get saved Time will tell. Uh, Qualification of an open-air preacher, number nine. Sincere belief in all he says. I think you heard that passionate pleading in Josh's voice. Entire dependence on the Holy Spirit for success. You just heard him articulate that. A close walk with God by prayer. Might I just add, especially on the day you do open-air preaching, you don't spend time in prayer before you open up your lungs. You're going to sound angry. And number 12, the open-air preacher must have a consistent walk before men by leading a holy life. Are you thinking about anybody in your church? Is there anybody in your congregation that has those qualifications? Then might I encourage you to send him? Tony was glad Josh went that day. This is Wretched Radio.
4: I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. I can't believe how many times a day I catch myself saying Todd Creel on
2: Wretched Radio says, I have been transformed by your
4: program. We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, because ultimately the glory is all his. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours, but it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at donate.
2: So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good. You're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare affordable biblical health sharing has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. one bible for MediShare
4: what tends to come to mind when you think of heaven do you picture pillows of clouds fat baby angels the strumming of eternal harps don't feel bad if those are thoughts that you've had over the years because honestly the world and the media has portrayed heaven to be just that cartoonish but trust me you're in for much more than that God has etched eternity onto our hearts because as Christians, we long for heaven. It's our home. Earth is temporary. We know heaven will be our permanent home and our permanent location. And that's why our minds tend to wonder what it will be like. And Randy Alcorn, he's compiled 50 inspiring and thought-provoking devotions that will keep our minds focused on the things above. He covers common questions that many of us tend to have about eating, relationships, pets, working, among other possibilities of what heaven will be like. So do yourself a favor, avail yourself to Randy Alcorn's 50 Days of Heaven. It's available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org.
0: Revelation God has revealed himself through many means, including the conscience. God has given each person a conscience so that they can understand his moral standard and their failure to keep that standard. While the conscience can be deadened and twisted by sin, every human being has an innate knowledge of God's law. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This
2: is neither Wednesday nor Friday. This is Wretched Radio. I just spent a number of moments talking about open-air preaching, which might be better suited for a Witness Wednesday. Well, we'll just keep on witnessing to the kids on campuses. Every single week, you'll hear it on Witness Wednesday. And on Friday, Jimmy opens up the mailbag. That means if you send in a question and Jimmy doesn't ask it, you've been edited by Jimmy. So send your emails of anger to Jimmy at jimmyradio.org, because I know you love it when I give your email. I do.
4: I I absolutely look forward to it. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's just I I wouldn't tell people your email, because that could just cause you to be inundated, despite the fact that everybody's email here is their first name at (laughs) wretched.org. I'm not going to share your email. Thanks, Jimmy. I'd hate for you too. At wretched.org. <laughs> See, I paused long enough, so I didn't actually give.
4: No, you didn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nevertheless, I'd like to share with you a couple of emails. One is a really just encouraging story of a man who's not doing open air preaching but he's doing some evangelism in an unlikely place. I want to save that for the end, but I want to dive into another email. And the reason that I'm bringing this up on a day that isn't Friday is because this is so constant. And I have a suspicion that people who experience this probably hide in the shadows, probably don't express this often to people because I suspect they believe this would make them A weird Christian or maybe not even a Christian at all I'm talking about intrusive thoughts I'm talking about things that come zinging into your brain at inappropriate times which is every time you're praying stupid thought you're reading your Bible boom in comes the intrusive thought that is not godly that is anti-god and I received yet another one of those. This is, this, is, this is constant, and so I'll use this one to bring up the many of what I think is a common malady. Intrusive thoughts. I've been struggling with intrusive thoughts. When I'm reading the Word, which is nearly every day, listening to sermons, praying, going to Bible studies, I keep getting assaulted with thoughts of, you don't even believe this. How do you know you're really reading Jesus' words? How do you know the Bible is really God's word? Those types of thoughts, woof, da, those are Those are straight from the pit, aren't they? I have done a lot of research into apologetics to try and calm myself down and pray that the thoughts would dissipate and be done away with. But I've been at it for months, perhaps a year now, and I still have them. It's discouraging me. Your thoughts. Not strange if you experience what this person experiences. I've seen it too much. In fact, one of our episodes of Transformed, which will be available April 1st, will be sharing some of that with you here on Wretched Radio. It is biblical counseling in action. And one of the fellows who was counseled has OCD. And in, in he, it's a different form of intrusive thoughts, but it is all underneath that umbrella. of I've got stuff going through my brain telling me things that aren't true. Check the door again, check the door again, check the door again, check the door. What is that? That's a lie? What is the the intrusive thought that says, Are you sure you're reading Jesus' words? How do you know the Bible is actually God's word? You don't even believe this. What are those, what are those three sentiments? Lie, lie, and lie. That should help us understand what to do with these intrusive thoughts. What, what counters a lie? What exposes a lie? What defeats a lie? The truth. So what does the one who is struggling with this need to do? Because remember, we don't let go and let God. Do we pray to God to ask him to remove this from us? Perfectly acceptable prayer. But we should also ask him for strength and a desire to overcome this relying on him. That's the synergistic sanctification process. That is the prayer that we should be asking God. Lord, I don't wanna do this. If you if you choose to remove it from me, I'd be so grateful. If not, help me, give me strength. I'm going to war and this battle could rage for years, potentially the rest of my life. Lord, give me perseverance in this. Give me strength to overcome this. Then you need to do stuff. And what you need to do to get the lies out of your brain is tell them truth. What is the truth? So there you are. You're praying. You don't even believe this. Hold on. That's just not true. I do believe this. I'm not going to listen to that. Lord, please forgive me for my intrusive thought. Back to whatever you were doing. Get back to reading the Bible. You hear the voice that says, is this really... The word of God. You know what, Lord? I know this is your word. Your word is truth. And I'm staking my life on it. Thank you. Please continue to convince me that this is indeed inspired by you. And then you get back to reading the Bible. You got to go to war with the thoughts. And this ain't easy. I realize this maybe sounds almost trite, but it's, well, first of all, it's a whole lot better than a secular response. I I, I did some Googling to see what the secularists would tell you to, what to do with intrusive thoughts. Oh, they've got all kinds of helpful hints and tips. You can put a rubber bander on your wrist and snap it. Kind of, whoa, okay, that's that's a stupid thought. Really? That's the best we can do? How's about defeating the lie with truth, which will just increase your certainty of the truth? And so there you are. You're walking along. You're in church. You're singing on Sunday morning. Something Glorious and transcendent about God, which is what we should be singing about, more about you and him than me and I, and all of a sudden, something comes in. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about some people will have an intrusive thought of a different nature. Typically, they might come up with some sort of nasty thought, sexual, murderous thought, That's different. We can deal with those separately, really the same way. But we're focusing on the intrusive thoughts that tell you things that are contrary to what God would say to you and what the Bible says about you. Stop them. Counter them with truth. And if that isn't enough, then grab your Bible and find the verses that talk about it. Look at 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be equipped for every good work. And then concentrate on that. Think about that. Stew in that. Meditate on that. Didn't do the trick? Run to Psalm 119. Read about God's word being like honey. It's a delight. It's a joy. And then pray through it. Lord, help me to feel that way always about your word. Kick out the intrusive thoughts. Exchange lies for truth. Is it going to be easy? No. Could it take forever? Yes. But God's implement of war, his weapons, they're not carnal. They're not rubber bands. He uses his word. So you are going to have to use his word, which is truth, to counter the lies that keep popping into your head. And you need to know, if that happens to you, you're really not all that weird, really. Now, you might be weird, but not in this regard. This is a common issue. And honestly, it shouldn't be something that anybody's ashamed about. Our brains are broken. What do we expect? We all get stupid thoughts in one form or another, don't we? Bad ideas, Bad comments. Oh, why would I do? Why would I say that? Why would I think that? Why am I looking at that woman and pondering that? What am I doing here? We all suffer from different forms of broken brainness. If yours is intrusive thoughts, pfft, go to war, but don't let it make you feel like a second class Christian. Email number two Dear Mr. Friel, Okay, Jimmy, you'll get this. I received an email from somebody. Yeah. It said, Dear Mr. Mr. Kyrie, Mr. 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 Broken Wings Friel.
4: What? You didn't get it? I didn't get it. I'm not
2: going to explain it then. Dear Mr. 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 Friel, I've been in the United States Navy for nearly a decade. Stationed on board. I'm going to leave the name out. My ship is a crew of around 1,200 sailors, 1,500 Marines. That's a lot. 3,000 souls and it is um, the best fishing hole. It's shark-infested waters, and if I'm being completely honest, there are maybe 10 real Christians on board, and that number might be a little bit of a stretch. All the stereotypes about sailors are more than true, and my daily environment is enough to make even the most worldly person blush. But guess what? Constantly out at sea, his little Bible study that he started has grown to around 10 people with much higher-ranking people stopping in from time to time to listen to the Word of God. Even people I barely know are stopping me to ask me questions about Jesus. Wherever I, I lead a Bible study, my hands start shaking, and I cannot believe that God would use such a wretched person as myself to teach sinners. And then he goes on to ask for prayer for a number of sailors. God knows their name. Pray that this sailor would have strength. Pray that this sailor would persevere. Pray that he wouldn't be tainted by the corruption around him and pray that God would use this sailor to lead many to the Lord. Well done, sailor. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.